Hey everyone, my name is Yaro and you're listening to the Daydream Rose podcast. I'm super grateful you're here and I have something really cool and funny and special for you today. It's not a normal episode, no, it's a grumpy episode. <laughs> I talked to the wonderful Sarah Chappell because we had a lot of feelings. Um, we often have, that's, that's a thing, we often have a lot of feelings and we were talking about how there's just a ton of pressure for small business owners to you know, create really upbeat and cheerful content all the time and appear like we have it together <laughs> and how actually there's a ton of stuff we're really grumpy about in the world right now. And yeah, it was super cool. I had a ton of fun. I think it is a good episode to listen to if you need a permission slip to also be a bit grumpy and just to let it all out and really embrace the whole range of human emotions because that's exactly what we did. <laughs> so there was some general grump and then there was also some more specific grump about permanent housing being really hard to attain, social media changing all the time, diet culture, having no sickness back up when you're ill and you work for yourself all this stuff and also what is even work-life balance we don't know <laughs> so yeah it was funny towards the end we had a ton of fun but then towards the end we were both a bit like is this okay uh should we let people know that we're sometimes cheerful and grateful um or will they think we're weird and yeah i think that's super interesting so what i took away from that is that we all maybe need a bit more permission to be grumpy sometimes and so we're excited to share this and we'll continue to be grumpy and grateful at the same time. <laughs> I also want to let you know about a cool, uh, few cool things that are happening in my business at the moment. The first thing is that I have completed uploading all the core content for the Do-It-Yourself Business Magic program. So a quick recap, I created this program for small business owners or those who want to become small business owners or freelancers but feel a bit daunted and want to have like a really beautiful safe container to explore what sustainability and kindness and accessibility and long-term growth means to them. So it's a mix of tech training because that's my background. I'm a web designer. Um, I offer tech support and online marketing stuff. So I'm covering everything from how to set up a newsletter to choosing the right social media channel, uh, channels creating graphics, um, having a content strategy, thinking about who you're even talking to. Um, but that's also, there's this other component to it where there's a bunch of tower spreads and rituals for entrepreneurs and just cool stuff that feels really grounding when we're trying to grow something magical that's hopefully going to be sustainable one time. Uh, one day <laughs> one day it's all going to be sustainable and so yeah because I really care about access I'm making it available through Patreon you can pledge $11 or more and get access to all my courses including this one and the magic of embodiment that's about to come up next month so $11 is a suggested pledge if that's not affordable to you totally cool just message me I'll give you access anyway because I love you <laughs> and that leads me to the next thing which is the magic of embodiment which I'm really excited about so that's starting in October and it is, it is kind of a deepening and a continuation of the monthly ritual kits that I've been offering all year so far to patrons and I want to be really honest promoting yourself is fucking hard so I'm just going to read to you what it says on my pretty page for the program because that's less awkward 
So here, here we go. The Magical Embodiment is an affordable year-long online program that explores ritual magic through the lens of embodiment and reclamation. It offers tools, practices and inspiration for soft folks who want to make their own magic and inhabit their bodies more fully, make new friends and learn to trust their intuition. Each month you will receive a theme package full of self-care, um, self-care and exciting invitations. A tarot spread, a playlist, an audio recorded workshop with journaling and movement practices. A planned friend profile, a herbal recipe, a riff on a major arcana card from the tarot and a ritual suggestion. Every other month we'll also meet live for online workshops to ask questions, share and create together. You can ex- get access to the Magic of Embodiment by pledging 3, 7, 11, or 7, 17 US dollars on a sliding scale on Patreon. While this is a year long program, there's no commitment. You can join us at any time. Um, oh, yeah, why this is so cheap? <laughs> because I want it to be affordable and accessible to as many people as possible. I believe that healing is pos- political and it does not have to be expensive. You're already enough with or without this program. I'm trying to find a way to make this work sustainable while offering something that I deeply believe in, something that has helped me immensely. If you feel excited about this too, I would appreciate you sharing it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That was awkward anyway. (laughs) And uh, yeah, the final thing I will add that there is that there's also individual support available. So if you're going through a transition or you just want to treat yourself, and get some support, you can pledge $13 or more and receive regular monthly readings from me or even meet me on Skype for mentoring sessions, which is really cool. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, it's, um, it's a really kind of a heartfelt project and if you feel excited about this or you like my work or the podcast, I would so appreciate if you share this offering or my Patreon or this episode, whatever you like. Thank you so much. I will let you listen to it now. Have a beautiful day. Hey everyone, I am so excited to speak to Sarah Chapel today for a double episode for both So You Want to Be a Witch and the Daydream Wars podcast because get this, we have already interviewed each other for each of our individual podcasts and we're kind of Instagram friends and Sarah is just so cool. So I was like, I love being grumpy with Sarah sometimes because let's be real, like there is just a lot of stuff in the world to be grumpy about right now. And we're just not giving ourselves enough space for that. So without any shame, this will be a whole grumpy episode where we're just going to let it all out. If that's not your jam, that's cool. Also, we are otherwise pretty positive people some of the time, but we embrace the whole spectrum of the human experience. (laughs) And this episode is just for the grumps. So uh, yeah, and also one of the things that we're grumpy about is that as entrepreneurs, we are also humans, (laughs) surprise. (laughs) And we're pretty busy with stuff and we would really love to podcast more but we have bills to pay and client work to do. And Sarah is also running a product-based business. So lots to be grumpy about. And so we said, you know, let's have a conversation rather than another interview. And then we can both publish that on, on our podcast. And it's like two in one. That's super efficient. And I say that as a German, so. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you know what efficiency is in your blood. I, I definitely know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, that's my little intro. Um, I'm not exactly sure what we're going to talk about, but I think it's going to be really funny and it's going to probably be like a funny peek behind the scenes. And I will just let Sarah introduce herself now uh, in case anyone doesn't know her, which I, I don't know why that would be the case, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am Sarah Chapel of So You Want to Be a Witch, and I'm super excited for our double episode today. <laughs> Out with the idea of doing a grump episode, I was so there because even though I have become an increasingly positive person with a lot of very hard effort and a lot of mm-hmm. very strong herbal support, uh, I am still grumpy a lot. Yeah. I'm so sorry yeah. to inter- interrupt you, Sarah. There's already a major grumpy thing. You've cut out one second. And I think, we oh, should no. both, I think it's totally cool, but we should both turn our videos off to make the audio quality yep. And then we can grump ahead. <laughs> can we? Awesome. Can you grumpy back on track? Yes, right. yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you just repeat the last thing after you said uh, you have gotten lots better, but you're also still grumpy? I don't even remember what I said, but I oh. am grumpy <laughs> and life is hard, but amazing. And I'm so happy that we can talk about all of that and be multifaceted human people rather than just acting like everything is rad all the time. Yeah, thank you. That's I, I'm so happy <laughs> for that. That's great. Yeah, I also want to let people know kind of what you're doing technically because you're offering really cool stuff. That that's one thing I'm not grumpy about. So you're quite <laughs> you're quite the herbalist. You have an alcohol-free practice, which I'm really excited about, and you're also mm. a tarot reader, and you also offer business support. So that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's. I'm sure this is something we can talk about today. But that you know, men, the many, many multi-pronged approach of small business ownership, which uh-huh. you do a lot of similar things as well <laughs> as a web developer and a teacher and a business teacher, business coach, and tarot reader and podcaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's, yeah, yeah um, it's <laughs> it's really fantastic to be able to to do so many different things. But that's part of what I'm grumpy about today too. Is that I'm mm-hmm. tired. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Yes, totally, totally. Yeah, me too. Um, I'll introduce myself really quickly too. Um, my name yes. is Yaro Magdalena. Um, I run two businesses. One is called Yaro Digital. That's about uh, web design and online marketing, trying to kind of take an alternative approach with that and be really holistic in air quotes. So I know that that wording is really hard to figure out, but basically it's not bullshit marketing. Um, <laughs> And then I'm also a tarot reader and a ritual maker, and I'm really into folk herbalism, though I feel too shy at this point to call myself a herbalist. And that's probably also another thing that we can feel grumpy about is like Mm -hmm. how hard it is to claim certain things and how fucked our education systems are. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's us. Hey. Hi. Where, Where should we start? What are you most grumpy about today? Today, I'm really grumpy about my health. Mm -hmm. I am super health grumpy right now. And this is something that I think would be fun, fun, but interesting for us to talk about, which is finding that balance. One of the things I love about having my own business is that it does enable me to create the space when my body or my brain are not doing well, when I need Mm -hmm. a break. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that is that it's pretty much just me in my business. It's Uh just me and my dog. And (laughs) if I'm sick, like I had to cancel almost a week's worth of stuff um, 
last week and I've Uh had to do that three or four times this summer. Uh Um, There's no one else to do it. Uh And there's this, that is making me grumpy because I want to take care of myself. And that's one of the reasons I work for myself, but it also directly directly affects my ability ability to support myself. myself. Grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Very grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) It's difficult to communicate that to people as well. Isn't that is because I think people, when they buy a service or they book to work with us have kind of the expectation that we run the same way, like a big corporate business would, and that mm-hmm. there would be backup if we need to be grumpy. <laughs> or, or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you're cutting out a little bit again, but I think it is better now. So mm, yeah, okay. that, that should be, oh, yeah, now it's perfect now. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Rad. Yeah, I I know that in some Scandinavian countries there is something like a practice around like small groups of entrepreneurs or freelancers getting together and putting some money into like a pot each month and then if some of them get sick they pay each other like a replacement salary and I think that's quite cool. More people should do that. That's a great idea to yeah to create a little a little health pot mm-hmm. wellness Honey pot. <laughs> uh-huh. I will say though, I think I have a lot of trust issues and I find group dem- dynamics really hard. And then I wonder like realistically, if I got sick and I had paid like a year into it, would I really take money out of it? You know? Yeah, I don't know. I Part of the reason I like working for myself is because I don't have to answer to other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know if that's healthy or not, but that is the reality. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea, but I think, yeah, it would be a little, there'd be some conflict. Like, are we comfortable then taking money out? Are we actually oh. comfortable financially supporting each other in a culture that continues to teach us that there isn't enough to go around? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, living in that culture is, I think, a part of the reason that we are sometimes sick, isn't it? And I am up for grumping about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. How does that show up for you and your business and how does that affect your health? I think at the moment what I feel the most is like the anxiety coming up when a day isn't going well or when I feel some smaller health issues popping up. I'm like, shit, you know, if this is going to be a bigger thing. um, And that's just part of me, you know, like part of me is also whoa, I've got all these tools. I'm in a completely different place that I've been 10 years ago. I do, I am really lucky that I have healthcare in the UK here, even if it isn't perfect, but I do have it. So then there's that part. And then there's also the part of me that's just really anxious because I have experienced a lot of scarcity growing up and as a young adult. And I know that paying bills can be tricky. And, you know, um, and it hasn't been tricky to pay rent for me on a basic level for a while. But I really feel like in my body on a cellular level that it takes time to sink into a little bit more safety and that there's also this yearning for actually a lot more safety. And then there's feelings around like, is that too much to want? And then there's like, no, actually that's pretty basic. So one of the things I feel right now that would really feel supportive of my physical and mental health would be to have like a really stable forever home and home ownership in UK is a massive thing it's incredibly expensive down south where I live here I'm wondering if I maybe should 
move more north if that would be good for me in the long term but I'm really grounded in my community here and I really resent young people and careers and artists being pushed out of uh, areas that we've lived in for a long time that's quite sad to me so yeah those are some of the things that are showing up for me and then food as well I think is is a big deal like I really noticed that um, it'd be great for me to change my diet a little bit in theory in a really compassionate and uh, gentle way, like self-compassionate and gentle. Um, but at the same time, I'm putting in so much work untangling myself from diet culture and from really narrow beauty standards that it is often one of two extremes for me and that's not helping my health either. And that makes me grumpy about my effort kind of being kind of being uh, yeah a, little, a lot less fruitless they, they, than they would have been without diet culture yeah I am with you on every level of that <laughs> right now uh, uh you know that that tension between wanting to feel secure and then feeling guilty or like shamed or like that isn't something that we're supposed to want or or that it's not okay. I don't know. There's a lot of, of interesting things tied up in there. And I'm really addressing that right now because I want to continue to serve my local community and my wider community to the best of my ability. But I also really, yeah, I want a house that people cannot kick me out of. That mm -hmm. is really important to me right now. Mm -hmm. Before my current place, the last two places I ended up having to leave because of issues with the landlords one a legal issue and mm -hmm. it I feel that so deep in my body even though mm -hmm. I am more secure now I can pay my rent like mm -hmm. a lot of the the problems that I had when I was starting my business which was a financial disaster like an mm -hmm. unmitigated disaster I had no plan I had no savings just a, a huge huge mess mm -hmm. that that's over now and I have, I'm living in a place where I'm, I'm safe and secure mm -hmm. and I can afford. And I am still just terrified so much mm -hmm. of the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to move through that. My answer in my mind is to like buy a house. But I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my God, how do, how do people buy houses? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how do people buy houses? And how do people make such commitments? Because I think there's also, at least for me, this like, balance between yes I do really want this forever stable housing situation but can I really with lots of confidence commit to this one place and I know that lots of people at least in my life the only people that are working towards home ownership are doing it with someone else and I find that quite tricky too to be honest I would love to say that I'm really open to that and and uh, but if I'm really honest with myself I find that quite scary yeah yeah, I think committing to a space and a place is is challenging, and I feel that a lot as well. I love where I live in the mountains of North Carolina, mm -hmm. but I've never, I've never stayed in one place for a really long time. Even though I lived in New York City for eleven years, I would always spend three months in California or three months in Europe. Like I was just always working or going other places, and the idea of being like, oh, I want to get some land and stay here and be rooted makes my anxiety also pop up because then it feels like you're limiting options. It's like, mm -hmm. well, how can you have security and freedom at the same time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what does a resilient community look like? I find that really interesting as well, because there's so much political uncertainty 
and and mm. uh, environmental uncertainty. So I'm thinking a lot about, you know, like yeah, what can resilience look like in times of wildfires and floods and all that stuff, and how can we remain grounded in things that cannot be touched by that? And that brings me back to our spiritual practices, really. So they do really give me a ton of comfort, like knowing that plans will always be there at least as long as they're humans there will be plans That's ah, quite yes. cool. so we will feel some sense of home in the forest as long as they're humans i i think that's part of why i'm so drawn to the land that i'm on now is because it's it there's more plants than humans <laughs> <laughs> <That's great. laughs> and but it is interesting to think about i mean in the United States, and I know all over the world, but we are having huge wildfires, huge problems. Mm. Every year it's getting worse. And I live somewhere where unless there's drought, which happened two years ago and was very bad and, and resulted in wired wildfires, it's generally pretty ecologically stable. Mm-hmm. And that is a factor, I think, as we look forward, yes, towards this idea of resilient communities, but also where we choose to live mm-hmm. if we're going to stay rooted, is I want to live somewhere where I can have a reciprocal relationship with the land and a, and a land that can support me, a land that has water, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a really good one. I really feel that. Mm. What kind of spiritual practices are helping you to navigate this anxiety, joy, kind of tumble of having your own businesses? <laughs> mm, definitely have a huge wave of deepening my love for the tarot at the moment. I think at the beginning of summer, I was feeling a little bit uninspired and I was mainly reading for other people and kind of not really making the space for myself. Um, and then the last three to four weeks I would just I was just like wow man I love this so much and it has so many problems and I see them and and we need to talk about them um and we need yeah and I need to find my own you know ways of working with things and interpretations and ways of connecting and feeling represented in the cards but it is such a helpful tool for me because I think for me at the moment it's mainly that I draw cards and then I write about them and I need that spark. So I think that's, yeah, that's my main practice at the moment. On Sunday, for example, it's really grumpy. (laughs) 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 Last Sunday, I was just incredibly grumpy to the point that, you know, anyway, I was working on the Sunday, which I was grumpy about. And then I finished work and I was like, right, I cleaned my house up a little bit, which doesn't take long because I live in a tiny house. And I sat down, I really wanted to read, but I felt so restless and like so like diffused anxiety or like not really sure what exactly my issue was and just couldn't really drop into that book. And that made me grumpy too, because I I usually know (laughs) that, you know, reading is good for me and it's really relaxing. And I was really keen on that book too. And so I sat down at my desk and I drew a card for each of the things that I experienced as a big challenge at the moment. There were five different things. And each of the cards was so spot on. And I would just had this moment of really deep appreciation and enchantment. And I wrote a paragraph on each card and kind of gave myself advice. And I really felt like I was stepping outside of myself and outside of my head and my like, um, of the thoughts that so often can go in circles. And I was just like, look, 
this is what you can do. This is what you can do nothing about right now. This is how you can maybe shift a little bit about how you feel about this without bypassing any negative emotions. But this is it basically. And, uh, and that felt really comforting. I was like, oh God, yeah, that is possible too. And it's a really good form of self-regulation for me um, and tuning into intuition. And so, yeah, that's what I'm most grateful for right now. What about you? Oh, I am. <laughs> Tara and I have such a funny relationship, and it's it's my 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 favorite tool. But my deck has been increasingly sassy with me, <laughs> um, which is fine, and I need that. I, I I need I need the the tough love sass for sure. But I have been going to it more and more as well. I think. For a long time, I kind of separated it and was like, tarot is my work and my job and I love it, but it's not for me. Um, mm -hmm. I really kind of pulled that out and I've actually been shifting away from doing as many readings for other people as I'm doing more mentorship and teaching. And as a result, there's been this, this space open up where I actually have a deeper relationship with my cards on a personal level. Mm -hmm. But mostly recently they've just been telling me no in different creative ways like really mm -hmm. sassy no's like <laughs> no you can't do that no you don't want to do that and I'm like but I want to do that and the cards are like ha, no <laughs> <laughs> so that's my spiritual practice at the moment is mm -hmm. learning to accept the no mm -hmm. um, but also really spending spending more time outside and just trying to commit to that really trying to commit to taking advantage of living in one of the most beautiful places I've ever been and mm -hmm. just being with, with the plant spirits friends and opening up to that magic and deeper level of connection with the wider world. I, mm -hmm. um, we have a mutual online friend in Ren Zatapak who I adore. Oh yes. Yes. And <laughs> I'm going deeper in my spirit work studies with Ren and that is a really transformative uh exciting scary place for mm -hmm. my logic filled brain to be diving <laughs> into <laughs> yes oh that's beautiful to hear i'm taking that course too though really really slowly um, same so yeah. slow <laughs> mm -hmm. so slow <laughs> um i think i'm technically still in babyhood in lots of ways i have checked other sections out but yeah uh, we should put that in the show notes this is really really great uh, i mean ren is amazing mm -hmm. and the course is incredible as well so yeah yeah i'm glad to know that you're doing it too that's wonderful yeah, I'm in between hood now, but mm -hmm. it's been, it's taken me over, over a year to get there for sure. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that kind of is a beautiful bridge to another thing I'm grumpy about. And I wonder <laughs> if you're grumpy about it too, but it's this like time as an entrepreneur. Oof. And I want to identify a couple of like strains on my time at the moment. And one of the things is, and that has nothing to do with this course in particular, by the way, but just more generally, I acknowledge that there have been times where I felt so inadequate and insecure about my ability to do this thing that I wanted to do, that I've taken courses purely out of insecurity. And mm. many courses that I've taken have taught me so much and have been credible for my self-development. Um, and But there's been like one or two where I walked away and was like, shit, that was a lot of money, which means there's a lot of time that I needed to work. And actually it was either not suited for what I needed at the time or what I needed or wanted to learn, 
or I couldn't really be present with it because I was too stressed out and I'm already so saturated with media. So that's the kind of one strain on time. And the other thing is I am on one hand really excited that we have all these new tools of doing trading with people and kind of better ways um, so that we can offer so much free content relatively easily to a lot of people on the internet, that we can have tools like sliding scales, that we can sometimes trade without any monetary exchange. That's all really cool. And at the same time, um, it is a lot to navigate, isn't it? Like wanting to offer a personalized one-on-one -on -one service in a way that's accessible to a lot of people um, and then kind of sensing that teaching groups is much easier, um, but it's also different and it's just so much to learn, isn't it? When you start out doing one thing and, and you're, you're navigating all these things and you want to keep things open and accessible and, oh gosh, yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. And I think that it's, it's a huge challenge. First of all, I will also confess to being like a course junkie mm -hmm. and, um, well, I love online courses. I've done the same thing where my own doubt, uh, my own fear has led me to take things to pay for things, especially earlier in my business that just weren't what I needed or really were more of the same, but I didn't believe in myself mm -hmm. or didn't, didn't have the confidence to dedicate the time and resources to implement what I already knew. Mm -hmm. And I see that a lot with people I work with in business and marketing consulting is that they'll know what to do, but they just don't think that it'll mm -hmm. work for them. Mm -hmm. So they want an expert to tell them that it'll work. And the reality yeah. is that like that what works for other people might not work for you, but you don't mm -hmm. know until you try it. Mm -hmm. So like the online course trap becomes this idea that we have to find like the new thing mm -hmm. that will make our businesses work. But there, there are no blanket statements that can be made. It's mm -hmm. so we have to try things, which also is a time suck. Testing mm -hmm. and trying is a time suck. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but also, yes, I think that this, you know, money and service and one-on-one -on -one versus group and community. And I am so with you that this is just the constant swirl in my head because I am limited in how much I can do one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And increasingly, my health is making it harder for me to do a lot of deep a lot of one-on-one -on -one work. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing more group teaching, which I love, but it is different. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we can talk about things like scalability, which I think are exciting. The possibility mm -hmm. of being able to work with so many more people generally at a lower price point mm -hmm. because of this, the economies of scale, but, but it's not the same as being mm -hmm. able to, to have that one-on-one -on -one experience. And, I, I just, I struggle with that all the time because oh. there aren't enough hours in the day. And I also, I can no longer work like I have a corporate job and I'm working 80 or 90 hours or more a week. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So totally. I, I don't know. It makes me grumpy. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah, yeah, it makes me grumpy too. I want to... I would love to pour so much energy into some of the things that are not commercial or that are not as financially stabilizing in my business because they're beautiful and, and I, I really enjoy them, you know, but um, I do see that getting easier. Like my patron is definitely helping a bit. And um, although I will say with that, another thing I'm grumpy about, really love Patreon and I really 
um, love creating kind of low cost digital products and have done that for a while. Um, but another thing I find quite heartbreaking and grumpy making is that I really see that the more you charge people, the more likely it is that they are engaged. And that mm -hmm. is kind of like a weird mechanism of self-selection because if you do then decide to charge more, you will inevitably exclude a large group of people, which is really sad and no one wants to see that. And then on the other hand, if you offer things at a very affordable price, you might um, bring more people in more quicker, uh, quicker and you might have to spend less on marketing. Um, but engagement rates will drop quite quickly. And I have at first taken that a little bit personal almost. And I was like, but I made you this great thing and you paid this little price for it. Like, why are you not working with it all the time? Um, but I know that is totally unreasonable. It has nothing to do with me. It, it might, of course, be that there's things that I can improve about what I'm offering and that's a different discussion. But generally, I think with that, it's good to remember that we're all incredibly busy and really saturated and also just kind of swimming around this beautiful, messy pool trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. I also think that there is just such deep conditioning around money equaling value. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is something that, you know, I hear in marketing circles a lot and my kind of, uh, you know, outsider point of view or want to be outsider point of view is like, I don't want to believe it, but I see it all the time, mm. which is that people tend to value things that are less expensive or free less mm -hmm. than if they invest in them. Mm -hmm. And I think that really runs up against some of what I know I've seen, you know, you talk about, and I know I think about, and a lot of people in our wider community are about how to do things in a way, how to exist in late capitalism without, you know, buying into all that it is forcing upon us. But we have this, even if we don't want it, we have this deep rooted sense that more money equals more value. Mm -hmm. And I see that in my business and I don't, and it sounds like what you're describing. It's like you get better engagement if people pay more. And mm -hmm. that is, it's like how, I mean, yes, we're busy. Yes, there's a lot of things. And this is a blanket statement, mm -hmm. but but I see it to be true. And it, it's really, it's sad. And I don't know how we can, how we can shift that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think with that commitment to something people pay for, there's also questions around like, why did I commit to it in the first place? And obviously I think so many more people could benefit from you and what, what you and I are offering because we're really cool and we knew things. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and especially we know about self-care. So that's really important and great. <laughs> um, yep. So I, I do really think that. And at, at the same time, I wonder yeah, if, if maybe some people can commit to things or programs because of a perceived scarcity in their own knowing or goodness or something, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then also feeling like, and I think another aspect that makes committing to the work so much easier is having one-on-one -on -one support. And then again, that brings mm -hmm. up the issue of like, how can that be affordable? I know that when I have worked with mentors one-on-one, -on -one, um, last year I mentored with Nancy Antonucci in Tower Work and that was incredible. Like I love her so much. 
really want to bring her on my podcast is another thing that I haven't had time for grump grump (laughs) (laughs) she is really funny and and cute and uh just yeah it's been really so great to have that container to explore my own practice and commit and I I saw in working with her that it deepened my understanding of what her, of her teaching so deeply beyond the book that I read by her before that. And I was like, oh, oh, damn, I wish I could do that all year, you know, all year, every year, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, people have limited time and limited resources, but I still see just this yeah we we want or need that one-on-one touch that that is the way to create accountability for so many of us and 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 that's not necessarily sustainable and yeah i would love to do i don't know i i don't i have so many questions about it because i every time i've tried to do things that were maybe maybe more accessible to more people something always just doesn't quite work right and i don't Mm -hmm. I don't know how to, you know, you can't, I can't change the way people think. I can't change the way I think mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or, or the, those, those deep kind of, those deep trainings around what we value and how we spend our time. I mean, that requires just so much effort to shift. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. Totally. <sighs> um, there's another thing I'm really grumpy about. Unless you ah. say more about this thing, I would shift gears a little bit because I'm excited to grump about that too. Is there anything else that you want to add? Uh, I don't think so. Let's go grump on something else. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, social media and how oh, grump. Oh my god, yes, right. And how it's changing all the time. So like. Oh, you, you think you've got something figured out, yeah? You work years to build up this following and then and then shit changes all the time. <laughs> just yeah. just like that. As if you had nothing else to do. I, I bet I could spend like easily ten hours a week just doing social media. And that would include engaging people, having conversations, coming up with my own content, creating graphics, linking shit up, you know. Uh, I don't know, um, maybe finding resources and sharing them and then teaching myself about all the new trends and hashtags and researching those and blah, blah, blah. So I think for me, it is a constant balance. I really often enjoy social media. Obviously, it has enabled my business. It's connected me with amazing people. It can be really fun and really inspiring. Um, But I think what I am most grumpy about it is the fast pace of it and that it just changes all the time and I hate change. That's, it's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so with you though. I mean, yeah. there are people who I see still, still thriving, still doing, you know, doing really well, especially I think Instagram is the platform that's pissing me off the most. Um, mm-hmm. And I see people who are still doing well, but they are clearly putting in a lot of effort, a mm-hmm. lot of time. And I mean, good for them. I like, mm-hmm. I just, but I see so many small businesses, especially, you know, there's this, there's a couple threshold points that I see in terms of followers where you hurt, you hit a certain level and it's like you get knocked down mm-hmm. um, in terms of your engagement and Instagram continues to insist that they don't do anything like that, but it's mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it's, 
you know, I, I love Instagram and I love social media because I get to meet people like you. I get to meet people all over the world. It's remarkable what, what people share and how we can learn from each other. And mm-hmm. it does, yes, facilitate my business. So I have a lot of gratitude, but I can't, I can't play the game. I don't have the energy to play the game. I want to share and have interaction and learn and offer what I have to offer, but I cannot, I just can't play the game anymore. And that's what it feels like constantly. Like I have to figure out there's like new rules and nobody's told me what they are. And you know, it's like, I don't have like a social media assistant. You know? like, I don't know. Maybe I'm also just too old. I need to like find a 20 year old to come and help me with this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling this so much. Yeah. I mean, I love your social media presence. I'm always delighted to see you on my feed. Um, oh, yeah. So there's that. <laughs> um, and I love yours. And there's so many aww. beautiful people that we get to like interact with. It's fantastic, yeah. but yeah. it's, it's not, it's not, yeah. you know, it's changed a lot of course. Mm-hmm. And I just, it really overwhelms me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm really inspired with your Pinterest presence. And I have put a lot more energy into my Pinterest account. But there's also like, I have a really long list of things that I still want to do on Pinterest. For example, I don't have a graphic for all my podcast episodes. And then I want to use a better better WordPress plugin so that when people want to pin something, it shows them just one correct graphic. So they're not fiddling around with squares or something, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, And... I want to have more boards. I want to get engaged with some group boards. And realistically, that is, it is just always such a balance between client work and the, the stuff that directly brings in income and, and putting up in the system, like, like investing in Pinterest, that is really great long-term, but it's not going to get you any money right now. And that's tricky because, you know, bills and stuff. Um, but yeah. yeah, but just to say, yeah, your Pinterest is really cool. Um, Thank you. And I, yeah, I, uh, and, and also the other thing I really love is that we both have podcasts. I think that's really important because we absolutely need independent media. Like literally, we've taught, you know, I talked about this before on Instagram, I think, but our social media accounts can just be taken away at any moment. And that's, yes. I think the censoring on Instagram in particular is another thing to be really grumpy about. And Oh my gosh, yeah. yes, we didn't, haven't even <laughs> talked about that. I mean, oh, yes. like, oh, boo-hoo, my interaction is low. I mean, mm-hmm. black women in particular are being yeah. censored at extremely high rates on Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but we all stay on the platform because we feel like we all need it for our businesses. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It's, that's, it's fucked up. Mm-hmm. And then it's the same with Facebook, isn't it? I, I use that yeah. less for business, but really, I mean, no way in hell would I ever, if, you know, I, I want to say if, if I had a choice, I know I do have a choice. Um, I'm just pissed with the, the company's politics. And I think um, I don't want to be there, actually. And yeah. I'm quite sad also that there has been so many kind of uh, other small startups coming up over the last couple of years that really kind of challenged those more traditional ways of doing it like having a a chronological like having a an algorithm in the feed and that kind of stuff but they've just never made it like I have joined excitedly joined a a bunch of different platforms and then either they were just weren't picked up um 
and and I think that has so much to do with just how dominant the existing platforms have become over the years and how much investment capital you would need to uh, really compete in that arena. So that's quite sad. Yeah. It is. And just what you were saying, you know, back to like independent media is that, I mean, for now, at least, though, there are platforms that are changing this for sure. Uh, podcasts are a relatively independent media. You can mm. start a podcast for a very low, uh, for a very low amount of money. And I mean, depending on what you need from it, but it's, it's still there, you know, it's not, it doesn't cost money to submit them to the different platforms mm -hmm. for most of them. And I do think that's critical. Well, of course there's rankings and that affects how many people find your podcast and there's always stuff like that. It, it's really important. And the other thing that I know you and I have both talked about as well is, is your email list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, cause yeah, I live in like, what would happen if Instagram went away tomorrow? What mm -hmm. would happen? Mm -hmm. How many small businesses would be crushed? I, mm -hmm. I consult for people all the time who don't have a mailing list. Wow. Big, yeah. And it's, I, I cannot emphasize enough. I mean, and this is also me to myself because I need to remember to, to practice what I preach here, but like the mailing list is the only way that we can actually contact people reliably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. It's all we got. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. Grumpy. A, <laughs> very grumpy. Yes. And newsletters can be so beautiful. I really wish. And that's another thing, right? Like I do believe in the value of our newsletters. I love reading yours, obviously. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I, uh, I just wish um, there was less media saturation so that small independent staff would have more space and get more intention and, and more presence with people. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do understand, like you said earlier, I mean, people are just overwhelmed and there's so much and we have this kind of this positive feedback loop that the bigger a company is, the more we trust them. So the more people pay attention, which makes them bigger and mm -hmm. that becomes this, you know, it makes it, it makes it hard and it's always been harder for smaller businesses, I'm sure. But at this moment when we're so reliant upon tools that we don't control it's it's extremely challenging to see a different way forward and i think yeah newsletters i don't know part of me just wants to start mailing stuff to people just <laughs> yeah. <off. laughs> yeah yeah that would also make a lot of the um legal stuff around our practices easier wouldn't it because I mean, this is a whole other field to be grumpy about, really. <laughs> it's like the regulations around certain things. And uh, yeah, mm. I don't know what that's like in your area, but I do, I do see that here in Europe a lot. With GDPR? Uh, yeah, that for example, but also uh, I was thinking more about um, legal requirements around herbal practices and what we're allowed to say oh. about what we're offering. Yeah. You know, we definitely have that, but because herbalism isn't legally recognized in the United States, there's a lot more wiggle room than there mm -hmm. is in the UK and Europe, mm -hmm. uh, to my understanding. But we do have a lot we have to be careful around. And it's, that makes it extra challenging too. It's like you, mm -hmm. can't, you can't say legally that an herb works on this disease state. That's illegal. Mm -hmm. You can't say that. Um, mm -hmm. or you have to kind of use, it's just like this language of euphemism. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh -huh. And, and that makes it harder. That makes it more impenetrable and makes it less accessible, which to me in herbalism defeats the entire purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like I always say this. I think one of the most healing things that I got out of learning about herbalism is this really deep reconnection and reclaiming some sense of uh, really empowerment about my own health and understanding myself as a part of my bioregion and as someone who can intuitively learn and understand things who, who doesn't necessarily need a doctor as a middleman. Of course, doctors can be great. Certain conditions absolutely need them, no doubt about it. But like in, in the day-to-day self-care stuff, I found that incredibly empowering and I needed a couple of people to be like look this is what this does and I, I I can tell you over 20 years of my practice I have seen this working I can say this with confidence and now and now there's so much anxiety around what we can actually say or not say which is really sad yeah and ultimately just limits the amount of information that's available to people and at the same time that there is just a huge amount of misinformation on the internet as well, which I don't know how people get away with saying Mm. what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So there's just this weird, you know, oversaturation of, I don't want to say the wrong kind of information. It's not my place to judge, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but information that might not be as reliable. Um, And it's, I don't know. I don't have any, I don't have any answers. Yarrow. (laughs) I have no answers. (laughs) No, same. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah, ah, but it's just so beautiful to let it all out, you know, I think that's really great. <laughs> I know. And actually yeah. now that we're, we're talking, I'm just, I have had some, some longer list things that I've wanted to do, um, new zines that are on the horizon and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, ah, yes, independent press. Like we need to print more of our own stuff. You need to be making yeah. more zines, Sarah, like take yes. it offline. Like, yes. <laughs> and, and I get overwhelmed because it is harder in a lot of ways to make a physical product. And as you said in the intro, I have a physical product line and Mm -hmm. right now I'm just completely swamped by it. I'm so, Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful, but like Mm -hmm. I can make an online course and reach, you know, tons of people. And it's so much easier to me Mm -hmm. than making something with my hands. And that is, that makes me grumpy too, because I'd like to do more making with my hands. Yeah. it's it's hard oh yeah yeah it's so good for our mental health isn't it i have blocked this coming sunday to go and wildcraft some hawthorn and some nettle and i'm so excited about the stuff that i can make with my hands like oh at this point in my business in my life there's no way i could license for a product line here in the uk at least so i kind of keep that stuff to myself and I try it with other people and, you know, give some to friends, but um, yeah, nevertheless, I am super excited about it. You know? <laughs> that is going to bring me to something that I'm grumpy about, but it's my own, it's my own damn fault, which is that I don't know how to take a day off for the life of me. Oh gosh. Yeah. So with you, it's really hard because you just know there's just this awareness that there's so much you could be doing and And then also, I don't know if you have this as well, it'd be interesting to hear, but I feel when I switch between client work and working on my business rather than in my business, I sometimes in my head almost classify that as free or play time when actually I am working. (laughs) Yes, totally. (laughs) But it's not client work, so it's kind of different. 
And so sometimes when people ask me, like, how many hours do, do I work a week? I'm really unsure because I can probably tell you relatively well how many hours are billable. Well, I can tell you that for sure, how many hours are billable for sure. And then I can roughly tell you how many actual client hours I've worked, which is different because admin and stuff. But then there's this whole other world of like working on my business and that can just go, it just can go deep into the night sometimes. And sometimes that's incredible and fun. And then I have the flexibility to take other days off spontaneously if I need to, which is amazing, but it's hard to know. Like, do you know how many hours you work? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, last week I had, uh, three or four days in a row where I worked 12 hour days. Oh, wow. And I had this moment of being like, what am I doing? And a lot of that was, yeah, was billable like client hours, Uh billable hours doing that. But then also all the other things just required to move things, to move things along. And you know, I love playing in my business. I love working on the business. I, I spent like four hours yesterday setting up a YouTube channel for reasons that are not entirely clear, but it seemed like a great idea at the time. Um, I have this, I have this old like 40 minute video of me like rambling about tarot and I was like, well, that should be on the internet. Yeah. Um, right. So I had to have a channel and I was so fun. I was like, oh great. I'm getting to know YouTube more because I like mm-hmm. learning those platforms. I like learning new things. So it does mm-hmm. feel like fun, but it's work. And uh-huh. I mean, this, this summer I went for, again, I've done it more than once, but I went full-time freelance, uh, in my business at the end of June mm-hmm. and the past two months, I, I don't know, hours, hours. I mean, I'm working every day mm-hmm. and sometimes that's fine. And sometimes that's not okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. I hear you totally. I had one more thought and I forgot it. Damn it. Um, I think it's gone. I'm so sorry. But yeah, those are very long days and I feel that that's, um, yeah. They're not all like that to be mm-hmm. clear, but it was just this moment. I had a few of those days in a row and I was like, what am I doing? Um, yeah. <laughs> this is not the business I want to be creating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the only that, person I can blame is me. <laughs> well, oh, I, my thought is back. Hi, Ray. Yay! <laughs> yeah, um, it was, my thought was, I'm going to move my podcast to be also on YouTube. So I'm going to, uh... in iMovie, add a still image to the audio file, and I'm going to upload that to YouTube because I think a lot of people will be excited about that. You know, totally. not, not necessarily. I think it's, I might just, obviously, if someone knows this is a podcast, they will use a podcast app to listen. I just think there's a lot of people that search stuff and keywords really work on YouTube um, on there. And they might come across our work and be really excited and listen to stuff. So, yeah. But that's yeah, I also think that's a my, great idea. Uh, it's on my very long list of things <laughs> I will do on a day where I don't have any client work. Ha <laughs> ha. Yes. Oh, well. Um, there's one more thing I want to ask you about grumpiness. Um, on a scale from one to 10, how grumpy are you about the fact that memes get so much more attention on Instagram than our long, thoughtful, emotional, <laughs> beautiful posts? <laughs> You know, I like kind of a nine, I think. Uh-huh. Okay. Because I perp, there's only a handful of people who I follow who post anything like that. They tend to be actual like per- 
personal friends. Uh-huh. I have no interest in having that in my feed and it, I don't understand it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it, you know, the, there, there are some folks who have very popular businesses based off of meme heavy accounts. And I just am like, not for me. Uh-huh. And it does make me kind of grumpy because, uh-huh. because I have, I have feelings to share. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have so many feelings uh-huh. <laughs> on a scale of one to 10. How grumpy does it make you? Yeah, probably like a nine and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really high up there because I think it's not helping anyone. And it's a tricky one because in a way I want to be a bit grumpy about how you know what people are paying attention to because at the end of the day um that is an algorithm that is not a little person in instagram <laughs> that is like yeah. oh i'm gonna you know i'm just gonna let memes win it is because people tend to like them more and we share them and then that gets more attention but yeah to, to give you an example <clears throat> the other day i posted like a really blank wide graphic that said if white women tried as hard to eliminate white supremacy as they try to lose weight, white supremacy would be ended. And I shared that because it really made me stop and think. And I was like, wow, like how much time have I spent in my lifetime on trying to lose weight? And so I reshared that. And it was incredibly, it was like, it has 10 times more engagement than some of my other nature-based posts, right? And then, and then some people actually said like, oh, maybe, you know, actually that is a bit, I don't want to go into it all. And it's just an example, but I think it just has a lot more nuance to it for sure. You know, there's so much mm-hmm. to why, why women do this, what is diet culture doing to us, where is our solidarity going, all these things. And so the next post I made is of a plant and it's really long. It has like one, two, three, four, five. It has seven paragraphs and I'm expanding on why I shared this and why I think that it was a bit taken out of context, but blah, 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 all these thoughts. And it literally had 10% of the engagement of the meme. But I really think that like the dialogue was so much more important, you know, like other people got involved and they commented and then we talked to each other and then we even made plans to have a podcast episode and it was really good. You know, like the conversations that we did have were really good and yet it was not the way to reach a lot of people. And I think that's such a shame really. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, it comes back. I think it's some of those ways to that oversaturation you've been talking about because the meme gives you a quick laugh or a quick understanding mm-hmm. or a quick sound bite, And it's like reading the headlines in the newspaper and not reading the mm-hmm. articles. Mm-hmm. And you can feel like you know what's going on in the world or that you're in touch to some community with, with ease, with very little effort. And you know, I'm not going to, I like some memes, like, don't get me wrong. I think I shared one of my stories the other day about being a very powerful witch who is also crying all the time. And um, I already shared that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, cause I love Salem the Cat because Sabrina the Teenage Witch yeah. is a great show. But, but the fact that that got a lot more interaction was also, I was like, oh man, you know, we mm. are so trained at this point to take information distilled into into pithy sentiments you know rather than the depth uh, that's that's a bigger issue you know it's mm-hmm. an issue for us as small business owners but it's a bigger issue because mm-hmm. we are losing nuance and conversation yeah. around these topics and instead have sound bites and reactions you know mm-hmm. it's a very reactionary thing and 
you know, that's, I think it leads to, is leading to a lot of the, the challenges that we're having politically mm-hmm. uh, in terms of prioritizing things like the environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, just all a laundry, laundry list of things arise from a culture that prioritizes sound bites and memes mm-hmm. are, are essentially that. Absolutely. Yes. And yet I don't have any answer to how we can make it better, but it feels good to be openly grumpy about it. Yeah, and as I, we come to the close of our grumpy set, I also want to say, like, I'm also really happy and super grateful. I know you are, too. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I hope people know that. I, I was kind of like, I want to be honest, that during our conversation, I had moments where I was like, should I make my gratitude clearer? Or should I, yeah. you know, talk about that? And I was like, you know what, I think... This, we have agreed this was the grumpy episode and people do know that's not all of how we feel and it's really good to sometimes give these things space but yeah totally we also are grateful people and we have a lot of fun sometimes yes <laughs> but even that impulse makes me question I'm like why do I feel guilty about being yeah. unhappy about things why do I yeah. feel like I can't like that if I complain or I'm grumpy that then I am ungrateful and not mm-hmm. worthy mm-hmm. that's interesting yeah. So true. Yeah. I think I would, I would like to make grumpy episodes more of a thing. Um, that would be <laughs> fun. So yeah. Should we tell people where they can find us before we go? Yes. Where can they find you? You first. <laughs> I've got so excited. <laughs> oh the grumpy um, soda originator themselves. Yaro, go. <laughs> um, well, I am on Instagram where I sometimes grump and sometimes share memes. <laughs> and if you please can pay more attention to my longer posts, that would be great. <laughs> and they are at Yaro Magdalena. Um, I have a Pinterest under the same name. My web design and online marketing business is at yarrowdigital.com. And my podcast is called Daydreamer Wolves. And the platform where I offer tarot readings and all that kind of stuff is daydreamerwolves.com. Yeah. What about you? I am Sarah M. Chapel, and you can find me just about anywhere, including now on YouTube, apparently, at Sarah M. Chapel. Uh, my, that's my website where I offer intuitive counsel, deep tarot mentorship, and business consulting, and physical products, and maybe some new zines now that I'm feeling inspired to make things with my hands. And uh-huh. on Instagram and Pinterest. And my podcast is called So You Wanna Be a Witch. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Yeah. Aww. Aww. Hey, I, I so met, much love here. Yeah. I met, I met such cool people on your podcast, like met in air quotes. And also, mm. also want to say you have a really great freebie on your website. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, I will put all those links in the show notes. And I'm sure you will too. So people don't have to remember that stuff. But yeah. Um, thank you so much. This was really great. Oh, thank you for the idea. I'm so excited about us collaborating to create content together for free for people. Mm-hmm. This is beautiful. And thank you everyone for going with us on our grumpy ride. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed the show. And if you did, I would really appreciate a review on iTunes. 
that's making it a lot easier for other people to find a show and you know they might benefit from it too and it's just beautiful to share these conversations with as many people as possible. If you want to support the show financially you can also become a Patreon at patreon.com slash which gets you access to monthly ritual kits as well as courses and regular readings by me. I will link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much.